all know that feeling of crossing a finish line. Maybe it's a triathlon, maybe it's a marathon, maybe it's something else. But either way, you've worked hard and you've endured pain to reach that point of elation. You feel on top of the world. Listen, we don't need to rain on your parade, but... Definitely, I like to joke around with the other racers when we get done, like some of the uh, racers that use upright bikes and, and run. I'm like, oh, you use your legs on the triathlon? I'm like, must be, you know, like, you know, that's kind of the wussy way to do it, but okay, you know. <laughs> Who are the mountain meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, Meister fans. Before we really get things started, don't forget, on our website, we're encouraging you to write down your 2015 goals. We're making them public. We're making them happen. Go to our website, mtnmeister.com, and share your goals. Also, while you're there, you might as well get a free audiobook. It's from audible.com. You get it for a whole month. And by capitalizing on that, you are financially supporting Mountain Meister. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Meister. I am the host of this podcast, Ben Shank. And today we welcome Howie Sanborn. Howie, welcome to Mountain Meister. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. For the listeners who don't know Howie Sanborn, Howie served in the U.S. Army for the 13 years as an Airborne Ranger, two years in Iraq helping Operation Iraqi Freedom, and for five years as a parachute demonstrator on the U.S. Army parachute team, the Golden Knights. In September 9th, 2012, he was hit by a distracted driver while cycling and training for a triathlon. This accident left him paralyzed from the waist down, but in typical Meister fashion, he is now competing in triathlons and training for the 2016 Paralympics. Howie Sanborn, welcome to the show. Thank you for the service to our country, and congratulations on being named a Mountain Meister. You are in good company. No, thank you. Uh, it's definitely an honor to be here. And uh, thank you for all your support to uh, the men and women that are still deployed around the world right now. Absolutely. You may not be expecting this, but if there is one name which screams military or soldier or what have you, I think Howie Sanborn is the name. Have you ever thought about that? No, not really. But I like to think that it definitely says uh, Army Ranger. My name is Ben Shank, and I think if there is one name which screams podcast, it's Ben Shank. <laughs> so, was your family in the military? Like, Howie Sanborn. What's your past? Well, actually, I'm, uh, I'm Howie Sanborn the third. Oh, and, uh, you're, yeah. <laughs> so, was your, was your dad in the military? Yeah, my, both my dad and grandfather were both uh, in the Army. Perfect. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> so, is how, would you say that's what drew you to the military? That was definitely a big part of it. I come from uh, a lot of family that was in the military. Um, most of them served in some fashion. Um, and then just a, a desire ever since I was young to serve my country, I think. Mm -hmm. Airborne Ranger. What, what exactly is an Airborne Ranger? 
it's kind of a very specialized job in the U.S. Army. First, you start out as an uh, infantryman, and then you go to special schools to kind of get the airborne status and then the ranger status. So you, you have to kind of be um, definitely one of the more elite, um, kind of sets you apart from the rest of the, hmm. the people in the Army. Um, you know, we live kind of by a, a, a long creed, but, you know, part of it just talks about, you know, we move faster, further, and fight harder than any other soldier. Hmm. So that's kind of what an airborne ranger does. What do you mean by airborne? Like, are you flying something, or are you nope. the one that's airborne? Uh, we are airborne. Okay. We fly in a plane, but then we jump out, and that's how we get to combat. And are these still used? In, uh, these were used in Vietnam, right? Are these still used in combat today? Yeah, yeah. There's still uh, airborne units, um, airborne infantry and airborne ranger and uh, special forces. Since World War II, there's been uh, airborne operations uh, all the way up into Iraq. Huh. I, I didn't know that. Learn something new every day. Um, and then the Golden Knights, from what I saw, this is how I would describe it to the listeners, like the Blue Angels, except there are no planes. Exactly. Uh, we're the Department of Defense's uh, aerial demonstration unit for the Army. So just like the Navy Blue Angels or the uh, Air Force Thunderbirds travel around and demonstrate the skills of those branches of service, the Golden Knights travel around and demonstrate the some of the skills of the U.S. Army soldier. Okay. I just, I, if, you probably have this conversation all the time with people. I'm imagining you just having, you know, a standard conversation with somebody. Hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? Oh, oh, I am actually a member of the Golden Knights. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah a, all the time. Are you still doing this? No, you okay. know, I haven't jumped since I got hurt. Okay. Um, I, I could, um, I got pretty big into uh, the paratriathlon. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I recovered, skydiving is obviously inherently dangerous. I didn't want to get hurt and uh, miss an opportunity to uh, compete for Team USA. I would have m- imagined that somebody who does this would be like so fired up and intense, but you seem pretty calm. Uh, we definitely get pretty intense. Oh, yeah? <laughs> definitely. Does yes. anything get you as fired up as, as jumping like that? Um, there's really nothing that's, that I found that's, uh, quite at the level of, you know, skydiving into Monday night football game or something like that. Um, but competing, uh, in paratriathlon at, at that level, at that elite level, it's definitely close. Uh I guess the adrenaline going. How many times have you jumped out of the plane? Normally like the people that we host on this podcast will tally up like days on their season pass at a ski resort how many times have you jumped out of a plane uh just over 2500 oh wow 2500 yes and honestly on the the goal of nights that's that's really not that many there's uh, a lot of the guys on the team have well over 10,000 jumps so what yeah they're definitely uh you know the gold knights are the best in the world hands down wait a minute how many to 2,500, how many days have you lived? And even 10,000. Have you done uh, this like per day calculation? I'm just going to pull up a calculator really quickly. Well, I started in, let's see, December of 2002. That's, that's when I made my first free fall parachute okay. jump, skydive. Um, so December 2002, that's been 12 years since then. So 12 times 365. 43. So you've you've basically done one jump every two days since then yep. on average. And, you know, obviously there's lots of days where you don't jump. And right. then I've jumped all the way up to um, 18 times in one day. 18 times. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you get tired? Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> uh, 
a long day when you you jump and repack your own parachute every time. So, oh wow, I have so many questions about this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that like feeling of your stomach dropping? I've never skydived. That's on my bucket list. Skydove, I guess it would be. Um, that's on my bucket list. And I imagine like that feeling of your whatever you want to call it, your stomach dropping. Do you get that every time you jump out of a plane? You don't even get that one time. And really? That's what, yeah. So everyone thinks that it's going to be like a roller coaster ride that uh-huh. you know, like you get to the top and then as it goes over the edge, you kind of feel that speed increase, and that's what makes that stomach feel like it's going okay. up in your throat. So what they do for skydiving is you're going to fall at terminal velocity, which is roughly 120 miles an hour. So they slow the plane down to 120 miles an hour, and that's what you jump out at. So you never actually increase in speed. So there's no feeling like your stomach is, you know, going to come up out through your mouth. So you instantly are, you're already going 120 miles an hour. You're on, instantly flying in the air. And okay, this is making a little bit more sense. But how does a plane only go? Like, doesn't a plane drop? Is it decreasing altitude at 120 miles an hour? Nope. No, it flies flat and level at 120 miles. I didn't even know that planes could fly so slowly. Yep. Huh. Very cool. Okay, let's get back to triathlons and such. So a little over two years ago today is when the accident happened. Do you remember it? I don't actually remember the accident itself. Um, I have bits and pieces kind of after getting to the hospital and uh, going through the surgeries, but the accident itself... um, and the, about seven miles leading up to the accident, I don't remember. Hmm. But I assume you've been told about it? You know, no one's ever really – I've seen some – the police reports, and I've seen the pictures from the accident scene, but no one's ever really – I've never met the guy that hit me and never really been told, like, really what happened. Like, you know, outside of the fact that he hit me from behind at 65 miles an hour, and I hit one of my friends that was riding with me, and we crashed in a ditch. That's kind of – everything that I know about it. So you were with somebody else when it happened. What happened to your friend? Yeah, uh, my teammate, Sergeant John Lopez, was uh, cycling with me that day, and um, we were kind of riding offset. He was in front of me a little bit. Um, So when the car hit me, it pushed me into him, and we both crashed in the ditch. He got uh, like 150 stitches uh, just in his face, kind of the way we crashed, and he uh, also got a concussion. So we both got knocked out and uh, life-flighted to the Columbia University Hospital in Missouri. Wow, 150 stitches in his face. Yeah. Does that go, uh, how big is that cut? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, was, it was pretty gnarly. He still got a, 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 some pretty good scars from it. Uh-huh. Uh, but he was, it's kind of weird to say, but I, you know, I'm, just, I'm glad it was me and not him. Uh, you, know, you never want to see your friend get hurt, and I'm sure he probably thinks it the opposite way, but... Um, you know, he was able to make a quick recovery and he's still on the gold nights right now, uh, you know, traveling the, the country and, you know, uh, performing and he's on the tandem team. So he's a tandem instructor and taking people on their first skydive. So, hmm. you know, I'm definitely glad that, you know, that he's okay. It's very unselfish of you. When you eventually got to the hospital, was this the kind of thing where doctors told you you'd never walk again? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I don't, remember everything kind of bits and pieces of kind of getting to the hospital and going through the surgeries. But, um, from what some of my teammates and friends told me is I was kind of in and out of it and they had to kind of keep explaining it to me over and over again. So I don't really remember the first time necessarily that they told me, but I do remember uh, them telling me, you know, that I was never going to walk again. Um, 
and it's kind of something that no one is prepared to hear and uh, no one should ever have to go through, hmm. certainly. Um, it was really overwhelming to go from Airborne Ranger, you know, a couple tours in Iraq, uh, Golden Knight with, you know, 2,500 skydives under my belt, kind of top of the world, uh, you know, kind of best in my profession and just really got, literally got my legs taken out from underneath me. It's two years after you're already training for uh, the Paralympics in 2016. Uh, emotionally, did it take you a while to recover from this? It can't have, it can't have if it's only two years from now. Yeah, you know, I actually did my first race, um, my first paratriathlon seven months after I got hurt. Um, <laughs> so basically when you were physically able to, you did? Yeah, as soon as they let me out of rehab, I'd already been training during um, my rehabilitation. Um, so as soon as they let me out, I went and did a race. Uh, I was really lucky. Um, the Army let me do my rehabilitation in Chicago at the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. I can't say enough about that place and um, how well they took care of me and uh, really got me into my wheelchair and independent really quickly and gave me the time and resources to to train with um, Dare to Try, which is out of Chicago. It's a paratriathlon group that was started by um, a couple different people. Um, one of them was Melissa Stockwell, who's uh, an Iraqi war veteran. And a fellow was, Mountain Meister, 76 yeah, for our listeners. Just, <laughs> just an awesome, awesome uh, inspiration. Um, and, you know, I, I met with their team, and they kind of – they've got a coach for me to get me back in the water. Um, they took me to hand cycling classes found me a coach to show me how to use a racing wheelchair and just really gave me all the tools I needed. And, um, I was already really motivated to do it, but that just really gave me the extra push I needed to, to really get into the sport and get into it at a level that, you know, was going to be more than just a, a hobby. It was going to be kind of my new, um, my new passion and career. Yeah. Was there a funny time when like trying to relearn these sports like swimming? I, I don't like swimming that much. Um, at least, for the amount that I've done it, was swimming just painful, not being able to use your legs? Swimming is tiring enough with your arms and your legs. De- definitely. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone that gets in the pool would swim with just their arms. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I think if you got in the pool right now and tried to swim without your legs, it, it still would feel a little... There's, it's very different when you can't feel your legs and you can't move your lower half. It kind of does whatever it wants. So definitely learning to swim, like I went from, you know, training for an Ironman, swimming all the time, you know, 3,000 meters a day to, it was pretty tough to swim 25 meters, you know, down to, from one end to the other in the pool. And it was very frustrating. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would be scared. I, I think I'd be scared that I wouldn't be able to like hold myself up. I guess I would start in the shallow end, yeah, but still. I, I yeah, I definitely, I grabbed onto the side of the pool a couple of times that uh, first uh, training session back in, but you know, Dare to Try, um, they found a really awesome coach who also works with uh, the Wounded Warrior, um, the Army Wounded Warrior team for the Warrior Games. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really knew exactly how to teach me, like how to describe what I needed to do to to make it so I understood. So once I got over the initial fear of, uh, you know, not being able to do it just at all, um, you know, I, I picked it up pretty quickly, quick enough that I could race in seven months. For our listeners who don't know what hand cycling is, you're basically lying almost flat on the ground with your arms on arm pedals raised slightly above your head, I believe, Howie, and you're basically cycling the way that you would with your legs except with your arms, correct? 
Exactly. Yeah, it's just a, a kind of the same system that a bike uses, flipped upside down, and you're literally two inches off the ground, um, still going at the same speeds. I've had you know my bike up to uh, uh, almost fifty miles an hour on some downhills. And <laughs> it's uh, it'll get the adrenaline up. That's for sure. It's yeah, you and know. your back is like two inches above the ground. Or yeah, oh, yeah, you feel every bump in the road, uh, you know, and it's it's difficult to see. I mean, your your crank, your pedals are literally right in front of your face. So you're kind of trying to look over that and to the sides and make sure that you're staying in the line that you need to be, especially on some of the when you're doing just hand cycle races where you know there's thirty, forty other hand cyclists out there. Uh, you know, you ride pretty close to each other and. I'm I definitely flipped mine over a couple times. Oh, it's, really? It's a, yeah, it's it's kind of sketchy, you know. Like you're strapped into that thing, so when you go over, the whole thing's just on top of you, and you got to get back on your wheels with just your arms. And that sounds know. awful. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Uh, it is a lot of fun. I definitely, uh, um, you know, if you get the chance, you know, like if you see someone on a hand cycle and they'll they're willing to let you try it out, it's definitely a uh, it's fun. It's a whole different type of workout. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of the workout, everything here is with your arms. You, I can't even imagine how shredded your upper body is <laughs> because you're doing the swimming with all your arms and you're moving to hand cycling all your arms and then wheelchair again, all your arms. I, for some reason, like I hate the feeling of when my arms are burning like after a workout <laughs> compared to like I guess relative to my legs like I can stand when my legs butt like abs whatever like when that stuff is like really burning after a workout I'm fine but when my shoulders start to burn or whatever you know that feeling when you've been doing a lot of push-ups and you just like can't do yeah. any more push-ups I'm sure you you know that feeling way yeah. more than I do Howie I know that feeling. Uh, that's is that what you're feeling during these races just like you can't move your arms yeah, I mean, especially at, at first, like when I was first doing it, um, you know, my arms definitely fatigued a lot quicker than they do now. It's still on race day. I mean, you're going all out. Um, so you definitely, you feel it at the end, you know, like you're barely lift your arms over your head. And unfortunately, uh, when we get, you know, done with the race, we don't just walk out, you know, walk off and like stretch our arms out. We got to push our wheelchair, you know, back to the hotel. So it kind of never ends, but, uh, there's no break from uh, from pushing down to the start line until pushing home. Like your arms don't really get a rest. How much str- how much stronger is your upper body now after you became paralyzed from the waist down? I'm definitely up like a good shirt size and a half. So really? Probably, yeah. <laughs> like I used to wear small shirts, and now like it's medium large, depending on you know what how the cut is. But um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely I like to joke around with the other racers when we get done. Like some of the uh, the racers that use upright bikes and, and run, I'm like, oh, you use your legs on the triathlon? I'm like, must be, you know, like, you know, that's kind of the wussy way to do it, but okay, you know. <laughs> Let's move on to your gear recommendation, Howie. We like to ask all of our Meisters for one piece of gear that they would recommend. Give our listeners something that you are passionate about. Yeah, I would say uh, carbon fiber. Uh, everything for especially for the, the, the wheelchair sports, gets a little bit bigger. The pieces of equipment get bigger and heavier. So anything I can get made out of carbon fiber and make it light so my arms don't have to uh, you know, carry the load, I uh, definitely recommend that. Everything, I've got zip carbon fiber disc wheels on my racing wheelchair to uh, 
an entire carbon fiber hand cycle. Do you have anything weird that's carbon fiber, like beyond your sport? Uh, or, or, or would you like something weird that's carbon fiber? Well, I'll say this. First of all, yes, I have tons of carbon fiber stuff. I buy everything in carbon fiber. Uh, even parts of my normal day wheelchair are carbon fiber. Um, but I I still want to do an Ironman race. I haven't got to. That's what I was training for. Mm-hmm. And I want to find a tattoo artist after I'm done with the race that can do the M dot tattoo and make it look like carbon fiber on my skin. Wow. Yeah. Has that been done before? Have you Googled I've, carbon fiber tattoos? You know what? I haven't Googled it, but it's definitely been on my mind. Maybe I'll have to look. Yeah. Find out what's out there. Russell, who used to host this podcast with me, also had an obsession with carbon fiber. I don't quite understand it, but <laughs> but hey, you're, you're part of a community, I think, which is important. Yes. <laughs> so you're training for the 2016 Paralympics in Rio. You're training for triathlon, I believe. What is, what is the event? Um, it's it's paratriathlon. paratriathlon. It'll be the, yeah. yeah, it'll be the first time ever that it's going to be part of the Paralympic Games. Oh, wow. Um, and it, it involves a sprint distance triathlon, so it's a 750-meter swim a 20k hand cycle race and then a 5k uh, racing wheelchair race Mm -hmm. and how long does that normally take you do you have a time that you need to qualify um not exactly i mean obviously depending on the course the times vary um i know the top guys right now are um racing around like an hour like an i'd say around an hour eight Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the goal time for everybody that i think everybody that wants to go to rio is kind of shooting for that way they can be competitive for that gold medal Mm um that's definitely what i'm training to get down to i'm at about an hour 20 right now so i'm a little off that mark but uh you know uh like you said i i just passed the two-year mark from getting hurt so uh i think i feel like i'm catching up pretty quick yeah Um, obviously these adaptive sports have grown tremendously in popularity and competition as the technology gets better. And that's another thing. I, I sometimes mention technology on the show and how I'm a huge proponent of advances like that. Like this is just another example of how improvements in technology allow people to do more things. Yeah, I mean they definitely feed off each other as far as right, yeah. you know, as more people are exposed to the Paralympic Games. Um, in 2012, when they were in London, you know, they really got just great exposure and really showed people uh, what para-athletes are capable of. And it's kind of getting really big, which is driving the equipment to change and become you know, lighter and faster and more advanced, which gets more people into the sport, which gets better competition. So it's just going to get more people to watch it and mm-hmm. continue to drive you know, the para-athletes to get better and better and people to watch it. For the listeners, if you're interested in checking out other Meisters that have competed in adaptive sports, we've had Melissa Stockwell, as we mentioned, episode 76, Ronnie Dixon, which I believe was episode number 78, if I remember correctly, uh, and also Muffy Davis, episode number 9, uh chris devlin young episode number 22 so check that out if you're interested in more stories like that uh one question which i do like to ask challenged athletes uh howie is you know like you would never really wish this on somebody but we always hear about how overcoming adversity can make you a better person how how have you changed since the accident yeah i I guess I'd like to think I haven't changed that much. Hmm. Uh, 
only be, I only say that because, you know, my, in my military career, I was, you know, always very passionate about kind of, uh, being the best of the best, you know, being the, at the top of my game. So I pushed to be an airborne ranger. I pushed to be part of the elite army parachute team. Um, and even after I got hurt, you know, I, I didn't want to sit around and, uh, let life kind of pass me by, you know, so I immediately wanted, knew that I wanted to get into sports back in a triathlon and, and get to the top level of that. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do by going to, to Rio to represent, uh, you know, team USA and, um, continue to represent America like I did before in the military, just a different uniform. But I've definitely learned a lot about overcoming adversity and uh, have a lot, a greater appreciation for uh, the other wounded warriors that I've worked with over the years. And I can't say enough about how they inspire me to, you know, really be at the top of my game and, and push myself to be better every day. An inspiration to us all, Howie Sanborn, Wonderful having you on Mountain Meister today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. For the listeners, check out highlights of today's episode on our website, mtnmeister.com. It's a brand new website, and it looks beautiful. Howie, you're going to have a wonderful picture of you, a quote from this episode, which we'll find, and also your gear recommendation. Howie Sanborn, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to that episode with Howie Sanborn. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to post your 2015 goals to our website. I want to see them. The Meisters want to see them. The other Meister fans want to see them. And there's no pressure. Don't worry about it. Different goals work for different people. So you shouldn't be intimidated, nor should you feel like you're too good to post them on there. Also, if you listened to this episode the day of or the day after its release, I'll be at the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show in Salt Lake City talking to the latest and greatest companies, products from those companies, technology, whatever. It's all there. If you're curious to learn more about something, let me know and I'll go check it out for you. There'll be a podcast episode released shortly after that and your question could be included. As always, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. Until next time, I am your host, Ben Shank, and you have been listening to Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister.